0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Punch It, episode 75. My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is
1: Tristan Rodell.
0: Tristan, I am very excited about what we are doing today because this has been a long, long, long time in the making. We're going on an away mission, and we are going to hit the very, very end. There's no more left of Gilmore Girls.
1: Yes, this is something that like you said has been a long time in the making and this is the final episode and we, what we did was we started with season 1 and did a season review every single time and we we looked at the writing and of the dialogue, we looked at the writing of the plot and as well as the characters and just tried to look at everything that we possibly could and we did all 7 seasons. We also did a kind of a, a hypothetical of what you specifically Shar, you specifically want out of the revival before watching it
0: right because i had not seen it at all i gave my predictions and now we are here to see which ones if any i got correct
1: So we recommend everybody go back and listen to that episode. If you go to thenerdparty.com slash punch it, you'll be able to find all of our previous episodes. And if you want to scroll through even faster, you can find us on iTunes or any Android device. And you can search for the word Gilmore Girls and then it'll pop up. This one specifically is going to be about the revival. You've watched it. You've seen the revival. You've seen all four episodes because they were kind of like... They departed from the episodic format of like 22 episodes per season. So with this revival, it was kind of like four 90-minute movies, like made-for-TV movies.
0: Yeah, let's just dive right in and talk about that right off the bat, because that's a pretty interesting format, at least I thought. Going into this, knowing it was a Netflix series, I thought, okay, they're going to do 13 episodes, typical Netflix season And no, they're doing essentially like four TV movies. I really liked the structure of it. Did you like it?
1: I did. I really did. Like, I mean, from the moment that they announced they were going to do it and that that they said that they were going to do it in this format. And then they said that it was going to, each episode was going to represent a season in the life of the Gilmore Girls. And then they said it was going to be winter, spring, summer, and fall, which is just genius because of the theme song. And I just love that they did that because it was with Go More Girls. I mean, going through with the characters as well as going through Stars Hollow, they always did such a great job of representing what the seasons were in Stars Hollow. Because there's so many times, like if you watch a TV show, if it's a drama or even a sitcom you know, most of the time it's it's going to be filmed in Los Angeles or just like Gilmore Girls was. And right. so they pretty much do summertime and then maybe a few episodes where you see snow and that's it. That's how they delineate <laughs> between the seasons.
0: For the Christmas episode, there's snow and then the rest of the time, yeah, it's just kind of evergreen.
1: Exactly, exactly. But with Stars Hollow and with Gilmore Girls, they did winter, they did spring, they did summer, they did fall. It was very clear what season you were in. And I remember getting the uh, the DVD box set and the season one box set had a fall theme. And I think like <laughs> season four had a spring theme. You know, it's just, it all kind of went forward and you like, even you when you put in a disc, the menu would have leaves falling on it. You know, it's just stuff <laughs> like that.
0: That's how important seasons are to Gilmore, just in general. Yes. And they certainly did not waste any time kind of getting it into that mode right off the bat with the revival i mean one of the very first things practically that lorelei says is it smells like snow one of those old callback moments to try and i just cash in on all that gilmore nostalgia it's like they opened the request line said what is your favorite things from gilmore that you want to see in the revival and so they just tried to basically do like epic christmas they throw them all in here in this revival i think
1: Yeah, I thought it was very true to the show. They knew their audience, and they respected the setting, and they respected Stars Hollow, and it was a very good sign. Now, going into it, now, like, we definitely recommend listening to the previous episode where you talk about what you wanted to see or what you were hoping to see. Real quick, what were some of the main things? Because for me, the main thing I wanted to see in A Year in the Life, the Gilmore Girls revival, which we're about to talk about, was I did not want them to screw up Luke and Lorelai. That was pretty much it. As long as that didn't screw up, I would have been like, okay, fine. Do whatever you want to everybody else or to the storylines. But as long as Luke and Lorelai are together and they stay together, okay.
0: Yeah, I was totally on board with that as well. Because had they not been through enough, I said in my prediction that maybe somehow Christopher was going to try and meddle in their lives. I'm really glad that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness. I'm glad they got over that because there were a lot of other things that they rehashed, some of the things that they maybe had with Luke and Lorelei and their storyline, I was a little disappointed to be honest.
1: Well, before we get into that, before we get into uh, talking about it and everything like that, just wanted to let everybody know that you are going to be spoiled for Gilmore Girls a year in their life. Well, yeah. And, yeah. and so, like, <laughs> that, that goes without saying, but you have to say it in today's age. And so, it's this is true. going to be spoiler filled analysis of the writing of the characters the plot as well as the dialogue and uh, before we get into that i'm going to give a quick synopsis because a lot happens and so here's a three paragraph synopsis of the entire year in the life due to her frequent travels as a freelance journalist rory gilmore gives up her apartment in favor of staying at her friend's homes in new york stars Hollow, and london in london rory stays with logan while working on a book for the eccentric Naomi Shropshire, Rory and Logan are in a no strings attached relationship, although Logan is engaged and Rory has a boyfriend named Paul, though she never remembers him. When Naomi fires her and Logan's fiancee moves in, Rory struggles with her lack of career and her relationship with Logan. She meets with Jess, the Jess <laughs> the who Jess. encourages yeah, the Jess, who encourages her to write her own book about her life with her mother. Emily Gilmore grieves the recent death of her husband and tricks her daughter Lorelai Gilmore into starting therapy with her. Lorelai has also been feeling loss due to the death of her father, the career progressions of her longtime business partners, and her relationship with Luke Danes. Lorelai and Luke have been dating for over ten years, but have yet to marry or discuss children. They consider using a surrogate and attend the fertility clinic where Paris works. After fighting with Rory about the book idea, Lorelai spontaneously leaves home to hike the Pacific Crest Trail in the manner of Wild. Emily eventually accepts her husband's death, sells their home, effectively quits the DAR, and moves to Nantucket, single and independent for the first time in her life. Despite never actually hiking, Lorelai returns from her trip, reconciles with Emily and Rory, and asks Luke to marry her. Rory visits her father, Christopher, to inform him of the wedding. She asks him why he allowed Lorelai to raise her as a single mother, and they agree that it turned out for the best. Luke and Lorelai marry in the gazebo, and in the final scene of the series, Rory reveals to Lorelai that she's pregnant. So there you go. That is uh, Gilmore Girls' A Day in the Life. A lot happened, and those are the four episodes. And hopefully you've already seen it, because otherwise, why are you listening to that synopsis
0: yeah we're gonna tell you everything so (laughs) unless that's the idea I know some people will listen to podcasts when they know they don't have time to watch they'll get out of it what they can distill the information and then that's it for them that's all they need to know
1: hey sometimes hey if that's your deal then go for it but uh don't come complaining to us in case you get spoiled so yes Char right off the bat you start winter you finish winter Yes. What were your first impressions of the first episode? Now, we're not going to do this for every episode. I just want to know your first impressions of the first TV movie.
0: There were some things that I loved, like the introduction, the whole nostalgic thing where Rory shows up. We kind of get a feel for where things kind of are with everybody's lives. Rory's been traveling. She does get home every now and again. Doesn't seem like a whole lot, though. And my prediction of Richard Gilmore and his death, I was kind of accurate about that. I put it at the very beginning of the show as the catalyst to bring Rory home, but they framed it in the sense that they are grieving and it's already happened. Mm -hmm. I I love the fact that Paris works as a fertility clinic and yet she kind of hates her own children. You know, she cries when the nanny's not available. (laughs) That's, that's so very Paris. That makes a lot of sense, but what is this rehash and what is this lack of communication between Luke and Lorelai Not discussing children, not getting married after 10 years. It's like 10 years went by and they had absolutely zero growth between them. What have they been doing this whole time?
1: (laughs) I can answer that, but I could just go right off the bat and just kind of go lay into it. Or I can hold off a little bit towards the end because I have a definite answer to that question.
0: Oh, I kind of want you to just lay it right now.
1: Okay, here's the thing. Since this is this is a writing podcast and this is the last Gilmore Girls episode that we're that we're going to do there are aspects of a year in the life that I liked. There's a lot of aspects that I liked. I love seeing the characters again. I love spending time in Stars Hollow again. I really did. But there was an inherent problem with this. And this never would have happened if Amy Sherman-Palladino was still the showrunner as well as the writer of season seven, which we all know she was not. She right. wanted a writing staff. The production company said no, so she quit and they had to hire a production, uh, a writing staff anyway. <laughs> and so Amy Sherman Palladino was very insulted and she was very hurt that she wasn't able to finish the show the, the way that she wanted to finish it. And so with A Year in the Life, she was able to finish the show the way that she wanted to finish it. But the problem is, is that a decade... Has gone by, and so these characters were incredibly stagnant.
0: So what you're saying is, *Year in the Life* is the way Amy Sherman Palladino would have wrapped up season seven had she had that opportunity.
1: Absolutely, this is basically Amy Sherman Palladino's season seven. This is what it is. Uh, this is season seven okay, because I hadn't think about of it that way. Think about how much she has ignored. Uh, Luke and Lorelai broke up in season six. They got back together in season seven. Rory was still with Logan in season six. They broke up in season seven. Rory was well on her way to become a journalist, not of fame, but of success because she was going to be covering some great political things with the Obama campaign in season seven, but she was going nowhere in season six. And so Amy Sherman Palladino wanted a time machine. She's like, okay, well, I can't just outright ignore season seven and I can't de-age these characters. And so she did her best to just pretend that season seven didn't happen as much as she possibly could. And that is why these characters, as well as Stars Hollow itself, feels like it has such arrested development because these characters did not progress. All of the growth was ignored in season seven. This is very, very apparent with Luke and Lorelai's relationship. There's no reason for them to just be dating and not even talk about children for 10 years only because Amy Sherman Palladino wanted to do the wedding herself and she wanted to (laughs) do it her way. She did not want a flashback. She didn't want to talk about it as past tense. She wanted to do it. And also with Rory, she wanted Rory to be aimless. She wanted Rory to... Get pregnant just like her mother, so that it was this weird bookends about, like, the right forgive the saying, but the sins of the father, just like history repeats itself, like that kind of thing. Sure, and sure. The only way to do that is if to completely ignore everything that happened in season seven, specifically with Rory's job, as well as Rory's love life. Because, yeah, yeah, I'm, I see that's the thing, you got me going, and so I'm just gonna. <laughs>
0: I'm really glad, though, that I made you kind of lay that out. That theory makes a lot of sense. I did not think about that, both during my watch as well as afterward. That's revealing to me as for how things happened the the way they did. I still think, though, that the criticism of this Arrested Development, like, if I want to watch Arrested Development, that's on Netflix, too. That's a different Mm -hmm. show that I really love. But these characters, what realistic couple... Doesn't get married uh, if they really love each other. I mean, I would think five years, it's like, you either got to piss or get off the pot here. I don't know. That's just me. Maybe there are couples out there where that's perfectly acceptable and they're happy with that. But you would think.
1: Well, that's the thing is that there is. There's a lot of couples out there that don't get married or never get married, but they stay with each other for the rest of their lives. Some people have kids first. There's so many people do that. But Lorelai and Luke constantly talked about marriage tried to make it work and it faltered but then this is a couple that wanted to get married and start their life together but
0: that's the difference is they were actively talking about it very often it seemed like a desire that they wanted to pursue yeah there's couples out there where it's no big deal and they have their reasons why they don't want to get married that's fine but these two what's your deal guys also Not talking about children, one of the most important things a couple has to make a decision about fairly early on, I would say. They let it go for 10 years. Don't talk about it at all. Do they communicate at all? That really struck me as odd and stupid and just kind of like as this dumb plot device to get Paris's storyline going.
1: Completely unrealistic. And I have close friends as well as family members who got married without discussing children which i do not think is smart no but they didn't wait 10 years
0: and also i think all it would take is one little fix to make this better and say they've been maybe ruminating on it they've been talking about it off and on Mm -hmm. for 10 years but they've been indecisive so then you have this stupid thing that luke and lorelei do where oh i thought you meant this well no i thought you meant this And then nothing gets done. They've done that before. And we see it happen again with this whole mix up of, oh, did you want children? Don't you want your own child? Don't you want to raise a baby? And I would have definitely forgiven it had they gone back and forth on it where maybe they tried and it didn't happen. Or and then they decided, you know what? We're okay not having kids. We've got grown children and we're appreciating that. That would have made so much more sense. And it's a very small alteration.
1: That is such a good idea. Have a struggle. Like, having yeah. say, like we tried for years and we couldn't get it to work. And for some reason, adoption wasn't an option. And so we had to go this route and just have them be active people actually in a relationship who communicate. Right.
0: And then it would have made a lot more sense to maybe bring it up one more time. Like, hey, you know what? We're not getting any younger. If we do this, maybe we ought to do it now. Maybe we ought to talk to a surrogate. And then in comes Paris.
1: And that could have been tied into why they never got married. Maybe they were waiting until they could figure out the child situation before they could get married. And then Maybe,
0: yeah. And
1: crazier things have happened. And then from there on, they're just kind of like, oh, well, we just kind of fell into a groove and then it didn't come up for years and blah, 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 blah. It's lazy writing. It's lazy characterization just because your ego was hurt that you didn't do season seven.
0: The stagnation goes at the expense of the characters, which as a writer, you do not do.
1: No, no you got to suck it up and you got to accept that season seven happened and then you grow from there. It's a disservice to the characters and it's a disservice to the fans.
0: It is. And look, I get it. It's your show. It's your baby. But it only hurts your baby. It's hurting your show. So generally speaking, I kind of feel like that is one of my big takeaways from Year in the Life in general is a lot of hurt comes at the expense of the character's stagnation.
1: I am happy though that although it made me very worried throughout the episodes because we went back and forth with Lorelai questioning her relationship and questioning what she wants but they did end up pulling the trigger getting married and it was a very nice scene yes so I'm glad that they didn't go the opposite direction and say look we're gonna break him up again because that's what we do
0: oh god if they would have done that again I would have turned it off
1: yeah enough yeah.
0: already <laughs> Did we not have enough of that? I did have in my notes that Luke and Lorelai pulled a Jim and Pam with their wedding.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, they did.
0: (laughs) Which I thought was cute.
1: That's a very fun thing to do in the world of TV.
0: Absolutely. So Gilmore likes to kind of go that route where they do the more stereotypical TV thing, but it's in Gilmore style. So it's still kind of fun to watch.
1: Now, what did you think about Lorelai questioning her relationship and going on a hike, but not actually going on a hike? Because that took up a good, good amount of time.
0: It did. And I got to be honest, I don't know what to make of the whole hike thing, you know, trying to find yourself. Did she actually find her answers what she wanted? I thought that whole thing was kind of useless.
1: Yeah, it was. Okay, so
0: (laughs) I'm not off base here. (laughs) Thanks. I got nothing on that. I was just kind of confused and off put by the whole thing because nothing really came out of it. She ran away. She yeah, you know, she got some dirt in her hair and then promptly came back. Okay.
1: Which is very Lorelei. That's a very Lorelei thing to do.
0: It is, but it was also a waste of time.
1: Yes, exactly. Like I didn't feel like anything was learned. It was nothing no. was achieved.
0: Do these characters ever learn anything? Sometimes I I wonder.
1: That is a criticism of the show of the previous seven seasons, is that sometimes they recycle storylines and you know, like the, will the Emily and Lab relationship ever get going? And like, let's actually, let's talk about that because yeah, there was in the therapy sessions, there were so many times when I was just like, good Lord, we're doing this again. again. You had seven seasons to go through it, 10 years off, and now you're making us go through it again.
0: Yeah, we had the rehash of talking about Lorelai getting pregnant at 16 and how that made Emily feel. And really, did we not already know that? This time I did not feel like, because when they did occasionally go back to this well for dramatic reasoning, there would always be an extra layer. They would add to it. That would give us mm-hmm. another dimension to either sympathize with the characters or help us help us learn more about the situation in general. So, okay, there's a progression there, but here, No, it was just a rehash. There was a reason to fight in therapy.
1: Do you remember the massive reconciliation between Lorelai and her parents that we had in the very last moments of the series finale?
0: I do. Clearly that year in the life does not.
1: Exactly. That's that's the reason right there. Like, so much of the disappointments and the what happened here is because the reconciliation or the growth or the acceptance or the job or the relationship happened in season seven.
0: It felt on screen like that had all just fallen apart, maybe with Richard's death as the catalyst.
1: Yeah, that's all I can be.
0: think of as an explanation, but I don't like that.
1: No, neither do I. And it's, it's ignoring... Growth so that you can tell the stories that you want to tell because you're insulted that you didn't get to tell them.
0: Yeah. There were just so many things that did not work for me, and a lot of it did feel rehashed.
1: Now, <laughs> with Rory,
0: <laughs>
1: now I can talk about the beginnings of her, but one thing that I do want to talk about since it's kind of in the vein of what we're talking about with rehashes, I feel like Rory was the Biggest victim of trying to tie in everything from the previous seven seasons how so let me explain myself so you know how many people believe that marvel is a victim of its own success where you have a marvel film and it's a great story maybe it's a one-off story but for some reason there's like 15 callbacks to previous movies there's three cameos from characters that have nothing to do with the story just because we've seen them before and you're just like it just weighs down the project and you're like man this could have been so much better slimmer and trimmer and faster and more to the point if it just wasn't weighted down by its own history rory in this they shoehorned every single past boyfriend that she ever had yes into the revival they put in the death brigade into a sequence that I at first thought was a dream sequence. When it was happening, I was just like, oh, wait, is she dreaming? Is this not real? Is this flashback? And it went on forever. And I was like, holy crap, this isn't a dream. This is one of the most poorly executed and directed sequences in <laughs> Gilmore Girls ever. And it was very much... Rory going from place to place, reminding us that she has a deadbeat father, reminding us that she has a friend that she never sees anymore, reminding us that she once roomed with Paris, reminding us that she has a close relationship with her mom that is sometimes on the rocks, reminding us that she's a journalist, reminding us that she dated this guy, reminding us that she dated that guy, reminding us that she dated this guy, and there was really no room for her own story because she was dictated by other people in her life which is the exact opposite of where we left rory at the end of season seven because she made a declaration that she needed no man and she needed no help in her career because she did it on her own
0: yeah so i guess what you get out of that whole thing is that she has really lost her way in these last 10 years i mean like literally lost in every single way she has no home she does not have a stable relationship she has no real clear job goals, even. She's just sort of floating around, not sure what she wants to do and doesn't have a vision for what she wants her future to be so that she can narrow it down and say, I want to go here. Again, totally lost what she had achieved at the very end of season seven, forgot all about it, and we have I, I, just a bunch of nothing in a way. Like It's a bunch
1: I, of scenelets.
0: Seamless, Yes, yes. I feel like keeping so many options open for Rory is almost out of character, just because she is so driven. She is super smart. And you would think even if she had maybe tried this for a couple of years as a freelancer, sometimes keeping all of your options open is too much freedom. And then you don't belong anywhere. And that's why she is where she is now.
1: What you just described about being aimless and not knowing what to do and everything like that, you just described Rory in season six.
0: (laughs) And again here though, I would say even double.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's just a repeat of season six and magnified. And also we get to the point where, okay, so I understand that Rory was always the golden child and the smart kid who was going to go places and do great things. And so many times the wunderkinds and the golden children, they fail, they falter, and they fall hard because so much of it is expected of them. And we saw that in the seven years of Rory. And that's to be expected, and that was usually a fun time, most of the time. Mm-hmm. But with A Year in the Life, we're navigating more towards Rory is not a good person.
0: Yeah which is really interesting because that's not my and and maybe this is wrong but that's not my expectation of her.
1: No, Rory has always makes mistakes just like her mother, but they're not bad people. In a year in the life, yeah. Rory is a bad person.
0: She's doing some shitty things. Yeah, I agree. That makes her a less likable character. And when that's one of your main characters and she's not supposed to be like the anti-hero. She's not the Walter White of Stars Hollow. (laughs) This does not bode well for her. She needs to get her crap together.
1: She cheats on a boyfriend that she's had for a long time who looks like a devoted boyfriend who cares for her. And they play it off for laughs and not only is she cheating on her boyfriend, she's cheating on her boyfriend with someone that she has a previous relationship who is now... Engaged. Who is now engaged and is staying at his place. It's the only reason why she ends it is because her, the fiancé moves in. That's <laughs> disgusting. And then she has a one-night stand. Rory doesn't have a one-night stand.
0: You know, here's the thing is, if she had maybe done some of these things, let's say during season seven or just after season seven... Or even earlier in the college years, like that's when you're trying to figure these things out in life. But when you're in your early 30s, you should be getting things together a little more. It seems a little late to be doing these sort of things. It's very immature. And I've never really seen Rory as emotionally immature here since maybe season one, where she's a little shy about talking to Dean. She came a long way, and I've never seen her as making this bad a mistake for this long she usually learns here it's like i don't know what she's doing
1: yeah and neither does she and apparently neither do the writers and it breaks my heart to see a character go through this because like i said i was like you don't have to be perfect you do not have to be the captain of the enterprise terms of morality like you don't have to be a perfect paragon of virtue to be an interesting or good character but when you see Rory constantly do things that disregards the value and emotions of others, you can only go with them so long. Like you said, the Walter right. White of Star Hell, Like Walter White, that's the show. Like he's yeah. the anti-hero. He constantly makes bad decisions and only thinks of himself. And that's the show. That's why it's entertaining because you want to see how far he can fall. I don't right. want to see Rory fall. I want to see her stumble and get herself back up.
0: Right. So if they ever do follow up with this, and I don't know if there's actually plans in the works to do a sequel to Year in the Life, but they definitely left it on cliffhanger potential with her revealing, with Rory revealing that she's pregnant. So should they ever go back to that, I really think Rory needs to get it together. She needs to decide on a stable career path, create a family Mm -hmm. life, and then embrace parenthood. Okay, and I'm sure this was wildly speculated when it came out. I I know I'm a year behind the curve, but who do you think the father is?
1: I'm glad that you asked that because the thing is, it takes away the drama of her being pregnant because of that one night stand where she mm-hmm. had sex with a convention goer who was dressed as Chewbacca. That's ridiculous. I mean, like out of context, yeah, it's funny, but within this context, it's just absurd and sad because it could be Logan, it could be Paul, or it could be some random dude who likes to dress up like Chewbacca.
0: What? Or it could be somebody, some mystery person coming out of nowhere and we had no idea that it happened.
1: So she could be having a, the kid of a soon married guy and or some random convention goer. Or some guy she doesn't even like. Or some person that we don't even know of. And that's just a crappy situation to be in.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you've ever watched the Maury show, you know this will not end well. This is a bad, bad situation. And Rory, don't stoop to that level, sweetheart. My goodness. I mean, I I guess they're insinuating, I think, that the child is Logan's.
1: Yeah, I think so. Because
0: that's where the complication is going to be great. And that's probably the best dramatic situation to kind of recreate what happened a little bit with Lorelai and Christopher, where Logan is not going to be in this kid's life.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: He's got this other life going on, and then therefore Rory's going to raise this kid on her own, repeating history. Okay, really though? I I see why you're bringing it all full circle, but I really hate it.
1: Yeah exactly like that from a writing standpoint Amy Sherman Palladino this is how she and she went on record saying that this is how she would have ended season seven this is how she would have ended the show Luke and Lorelai getting married and Rory saying I'm pregnant that's how she would have ended season seven so it's she got her fantasy fulfilled it's come full circle and it makes it even worse in my (laughs) mind because season seven ended so perfectly for Rory because it proved Lorelai right. Her entire focus raising Rory's was to make sure that she did not make the same mistakes that Lorelai did. And that includes anything from school to job to children to relationships. And like, yes, throughout the show, a lot of Rory's relationships mirrored Lorelei's relationships, but the ultimate goal was to learn from them. And I hate that the showrunner didn't understand that or chose to ignore it because If Amy Sherman Palladino actually did season seven, it would have been somebody who was 20, 21 years old, who just graduated college, had no job prospects, or maybe she didn't graduate college. Who would have known? You know, like...
0: Right. Thus undoing all of Lorelai's goals.
1: Yeah. It's just basically undoing the entire purpose of the show, of this mother-daughter relationship of I got pregnant too young and I don't want you to do the same mistakes. Now, granted, 16 is very different from 21. but But she's still... still in a bad situation. And now in A Year in the Life, it makes even less sense because she's now in her early 30s and it's just like, oh, okay, well, you know, people get pregnant in their 30s all the time. It doesn't achieve what we as an audience wanted the characters to go through or what the characters should have gone through because of the growth that they went through season seven. But it also doesn't achieve what Amy Sherman Palladino originally wanted to do because it doesn't take place 10 years ago
0: yeah yeah you're absolutely right it's supposed to be this kind of touching oh my god kind of a moment but it really falls flat
1: yeah you go through so much abuse watching those four episodes and then it ends that way and you don't have the oh my god what what's gonna happen what's she gonna do the credits roll and you're just like why the not you know like who, <laughs> exactly. who cares at this point
0: that is that was pretty much my reaction Right there was, (laughs) that figures. Uh Uh-huh. You're like, whatever. Okay, I'm so glad I'm done with this. (laughs) I had my ups and downs with Year in the Life for sure, where there there were times I was really loving it, and there were just times I was so frustrated and wanted to turn it off. I really did.
1: Like the musical in Stars Hollow? What the hell was that all about? I don't even want to talk about that. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, all I want to say is no. No? No. Uh, There's times when... Gilmore Girls tries to go into almost like that surreal kind of a place that, Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of transcends real life and it, it could only be on TV. This whole thing, and they spent so much time on it. So much time. Just the fact that you don't like it either just makes me feel a whole lot better because I'm not a huge fan of musicals to
1: begin with. I love musicals.
0: Why are they doing this? I'm not entertained by it. It's almost embarrassing watching this.
1: I'm so glad that you said that because I was embarrassed for the people involved. I was embarrassed for the actors. I was embarrassed for the characters. Uh I was embarrassed for myself and I kept checking my watch.
0: That's all I got out of it too. There was no real resolution about that. It just happened and it was horrible. Yeah. So, okay. I want to go back to Emily.
1: Yes. I was going to say we need to close on Emily. We can't go on without talking about Emily.
0: We do, because that's a big, big part of the story. Obviously, Richard is gone. She is, um, I think, trying really hard to deal with her grief in a lot of the wrong ways. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of interesting symptoms of that. Things like the big painting. And she got the dimensions (laughs) wrong, but really can't admit it. And like letting her housekeeper and her family move in with these kids. And we know from past experience that Emily has a horrible history of firing her housekeepers just for the slightest problem or inconsistency. But she lets this lady move in and her family move in, I think, just because she doesn't want to be alone. Right. And so even if she can't stand this family, it's better to have, I guess, some company rather than no company, or at least have some presence in this big house so she doesn't have to be by herself. Like My own grandmother, when my grandfather died more than 10 years ago now... That was her big issue was she did not want to be alone in that house. So I thought they got that really right.
1: I agree completely. I th- it felt very realistic. And, and we've known Emily to go a little crazy sometimes. Like she totally. overcorrects. She steers into the skid a lot.
0: Yeah. So again, this is overcompensating in an almost uncharacteristically Emily way. But it makes sense for the situation. Mm-hmm. And I do love that she eventually did leave the house. I think that's kind of a necessary thing. For her to really move on, she had to get out of that house. That house was her and Richard. She's got to be Emily now.
1: I kind of go back and forth on that because there's no wrong answer to it. But I've seen it happen in both ways where people go like, this was our house. I cannot be here because the ghost of him or her is haunting me. Not literally, of course, but just, <laughs> you know, like there's too many memories and I need to move on. And that I've also seen people refuse to leave saying, this is where my life was. This is where my loved one and I lived together. I'm not leaving. This is where we raised our children. This is, mm-hmm. you know, everything like that. And like my grandfather, after my grandmother passed away, we're pleading with him to move to Texas where we have family because they wanted to take him in. They had spare room. They work from home. He'd have constant company, be taken care of, but he didn't want to leave. He's just like, this is the house where i was with her and also she's buried not far from here i don't want to leave and he thankfully did eventually go to texas because he was tired of being lonely but he was initially resistant for years because of what we're talking about so it is i felt like emily got the most faithful portrayal of how humans act
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i I, am glad you brought that up i can definitely see how people embrace actually both sides of it I can see how it would be hard to leave everything in your life behind and start a Mm -hmm. completely new life, which is maybe why people do stay in their house, their town, what have you. Even if it is a little painful at first to deal with the constant barrage of memories of what you've lost.
1: Yeah, we all cling to what's familiar.
0: And for some people, that's okay. They can move on for that and they maybe even appreciate it over time, embracing it. Other people have to get away from it and start anew. And I think for Emily, she made the right decision and good for her yeah you know yeah. I, you could just see the progression as the show was going on how bored she was with her life she really did need to do something different
1: and i really like what they did with emily's character to a point and some people might not agree with me and that's fine this is just a personal personal perspective is that i like that she moved out i like that she moved to where she wanted to move she moved to a beautiful coast yeah. and i love that she got a job volunteering cuz she doesn't need the money and yes. she looked like she just loved it at the end she would just threw herself into it yeah. and it just looked like so much fun and she just and she was still in contact with that family and it just <laughs> yeah. she got a surrogate family and she's helping people and she's volunteering
0: she's got a renewed sense of purpose which is what she needed
1: exactly it was beautiful i loved the emily storyline and how it ended except I do not like that they felt the need to have her be with someone romantically.
0: Oh, yeah. They had to go there? No. That did not
1: ring true to me because it's been less than a year and she was married to him for over 45 years. And I know that some people who are married together for a long time or happily married, they say statistically men are more often to marry quickly after they've been widowed if they were in a happy relationship. Uh huh. some reason, that's true. Don't know why. I don't know what the statistic is for women. I think it's the opposite.
0: Yeah, I think usually women will just, they may not remarry at all, or they're very slow to get back into another relationship.
1: Exactly. And I don't understand why they felt the need, because it wasn't integral to her character. They didn't spend a lot of time on it. It wasn't integral to her growth. We didn't see too many scenes with them together. It was just like, oh, and by the way, she found a man.
0: I think all that was intended to do was to raise questions like, mom, what are you doing? And I think it maybe even wanted to provoke Lorelei into maybe feeling a little betrayed. Like, oh, she's moving on so fast. Like, you're forgetting my father. Yeah. You know, and, and no, no, none of that was really working for me either. I would have really just rather have had Emily stand on her own two feet for the very first time in a long time and embrace her independence fully. This took away from that.
1: I agree and it was I don't know what Amy Sherman-Palladino's game is.
0: Well there's just always got to be a man involved I think in her world.
1: It's so weird because she could have gotten the season 7 Rory Gilmore treatment but instead mm-hmm. she gets the she gets the the season 6 Rory Gilmore treatment. So yeah eh, it's just yeah.
0: Yeah. I liked Emily's storyline 85% of the time.
1: Complete agreement right there. I think that's a perfect <laughs> number of my And so I think we need to wrap up even though there's so much more that we could talk about and so many different characters. So of your enjoyment level, like so you agreed with what they did with Emily Gilmore 85% of the time. Overall, what was your enjoyment level? What's your Rotten Tomatoes score of a year in the life?
0: (laughs) It's probably pretty typical of a Rotten Tomatoes score. I would say maybe about 65% of the time I was enjoying this. The other time I was questioning it Ready to turn it off and wondering. Aside from the fact that we're do- we were going to do this for the podcast, like, why am I watching this?
1: I'm probably around fifty three, fifty five percent. Oh,
0: even lower. Whoa! I thought I was going to be higher.
1: I enjoyed it half the time. Like that's essentially where I was. Like I enjoyed it half yeah. the time. Like the things I enjoyed, I really enjoyed. There were times when I laughed pretty hard, and I was just like, "That's really interesting. I like what they did there." But the times where I didn't agree, I really didn't agree. <laughs>
0: There were some serious missteps there, a lot of which we have talked to death already. Had they more solidly done the good stuff, maybe even two-thirds of the time, I would have said, this is a success. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do a revival 10 years afterward. I get it. Had they just given a little bit more forward growth to the characters, I would have said, yes, yes, bring more, bring more, because that's usually the hope with all these Netflix revivals. We've seen it happen with how many shows now? But you know what? With this one, I don't think I care if they do another one. I don't know if we need to see it.
1: This is kind of the X-Files syndrome to me where...
0: Yes. Bingo.
1: Season 10 comes out and it burns you so bad that you don't care to watch season 11. I mean, that's how it was with X-Files. And you're in the life. You're in the life. There were times when I watched X-Files season 10 where I literally screamed at the television set and said, screw you, Chris Carter. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Same.
1: But I never did that with A Year in the Life, but there are times when I was just so disinterested where I was just like, I don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, why are we wasting everybody's time with this? Like, we thought you were bringing this back for a purpose, and apparently it was just Amy Sherman Palladino's pipe dream on how she wanted to end her show.
1: It was wish fulfillment, yeah. Uh,
0: barf. They just does not need to come back for that X-Files season 11 that would just frustrate us even further and have even even crappier ending.
1: There was a 75% drop-off, now that we're on X-Files, there was a 75% audience drop-off from season 10 to season 11 of the X-Files. I believe it. And that's why that's a big reason why there's no talks in doing a season 12, and also why Jillian Anderson said that she's not going to do it again.
0: Well, and I don't blame her one bit, given what they did to her character, but that's X-Files. We'll talk about that another time.
1: But we want to hear from you guys. Are we completely off our rockers? Did you love A Year in the Life? Did you think that it was a true portrayal of the characters? Do you think it was written well? Do you think that Amy Sherman Palladino should be able to do whatever the hell she wants, whether it's good or bad? Let us know by going to, <laughs> to the slash contact, select punch it from the drop down menu, and fill out the form. It'll send us an email. You can also find us on Twitter at join nerdparty. You can find us on Facebook at the nerdparty, uh, excuse me, at facebook.com/thenerdparty.com. You can find me personally on Twitter at the insane Robin.
0: And you can find me at oh, the Profanity. Come fight me. I stand <laughs> by my me. words.
1: Tag me. Come at me. Yes. Uh, yeah, at so me. next week we're not going to be talking about Gilmore Girls, but we guarantee you it's going to be Star Trek related and we're going to punch it.
0: Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.